1: Good evening and welcome to Blooming Out on
0: WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. And I'm Ryan Shaddy. On tonight's episode of Blooming Out, we will have your weekly LGBTQ news headlines, the area's LGBTQ event calendar, and our featured music. We begin tonight, however, with Robert Pink Slater, the president of Corey Lynn Men's Chorus, joining us to talk about the big weekend that is coming upcoming for the group. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Robert. So uh, start by giving us a brief history of uh, Quarryland, how it got started, uh, why you exist in in our community. Fantastic. So the Quarryland Men's Chorus was actually founded
2: in 2002 uh, as the result of one of our founding members, Sam Troxell, just gathered a group of guys together uh, just to have fun singing. And uh, it has evolved over the years. It was uh, incorporated so shortly after that as the Cory Men's Chorus Inc., a nonprofit organization. And the mission that was established uh, still holds true today. We haven't changed it a bit. And it's a positive performance based community for gay and bisexual men and trans men uh, in South Central Indiana. And they come together uh, really through excellence and vocal music um, to put our message out there to the community, not only to Bloomington. Um, but all of your listening area and indeed all of South Central Indiana.
0: Awesome. Robert, uh, there are three of us including you that have been a part <laughs> uh, of Coryland. just sitting here right now. It is, it is at, at one point or another, um, it is such a great community-based chorus. Uh, why, why is it so important that uh, people get involved in this chorus?
2: I'll tell you, this year is uh, particularly important to me, um, not even just representing the chorus, but just uh, coming at it from the point of view that, that things have gotten so much better for the LGBTQ plus community, uh, not only in Bloomington, because there's a lot of the great organizations here, but federally um, with the passage of marriage equality, um, a lot of businesses and organizations have uh, made it so that you cannot be fired. Um, if you're LGBTQ, of course, that we have a lot of work to do there. It's it's not federally protected. It's not protected by the state of Indiana. Um, some states do have that, which is great. But uh, I think that we had a little jolt um, in November that tells us just how much work we still have left to do. Um, so we're going to continue with our mission, uh, providing this this space for people to come together, a space for, for audience members uh, like the wonderful listeners right here on the show who can come to our concerts, who can see us out in the community, who can see us engaging in places like Spencer at Spencer Pride um, in Columbus, uh, singing at a concert there for the first time. We did that last year. Um, and going to smaller events, uh, the World AIDS Day event, we just finished that last week here in Bloomington um and for the first time we actually performed in indianapolis as well at the world world aids day event up there
1: now how many seasons has this been for Cory land what year what what season is this yeah
2: so we started in 2002 and we're launching we've launched Into our 15th season, we actually started the season uh, by singing at an international music festival in Denver in July. So our seasons start uh, sort of fiscally uh, in July and run through June. So we launched the season with a phenomenal performance and just an incredibly supportive audience in, in Denver, Colorado as part of the Gala Choruses. And now we are, you know, we have three performances under our belt here locally, including one for our host church, First United Church on East 3rd Street, as a thank you to them uh, for letting us rehearse there and use their space as concert space, the two World AIDS Day events. And then we have two concerts coming up on December 17th
0: and 18th that we're really excited about. Robert, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the Gala uh, Chorus effort. Um, Coryland is a member of Gala Choruses. Uh, Gala Choruses exist, um, it's a nationwide uh, organization. Tell us a little bit more about it, how we've gotten involved, um, how Coryland has gotten involved, and uh, what has been done in terms of commission work for um, not only our chorus, but for things like Gala Choruses.
2: Absolutely. Gala Choruses is just an incredible resource uh, for choruses, especially those who want to sing about diversity, about LGBTQ rights. And it started many, many, many years ago, um, really out of the feminist chorus movement in San Francisco and California. Um, The Gay Men's Chorus of San Francisco uh, came together after just a few rehearsals and sang for the Harvey Milk um, ceremony when Harvey Milk was assassinated in San Francisco and that sort of launched uh, the, the gala choruses and not only is it national it is international. So at the music festival uh, there was a chorus from Belgium, there was a chorus from Ireland, there was a chorus from Canada, uh, really just all over the place. It was so interesting to hear all of these other choruses, tiny choruses, huge choruses, 250, 300 member choruses And for them all to come together with very similar missions of spreading the word about equality, about diversity, about multiculturalism,
0: about just anything related to our community, it's just phenomenal. Tie that in a little bit with what happened uh, in November uh, with the election. Um, We see some courses that are going out now into rural areas and uh, spreading the word about diversity because... Uh, maybe these areas don't know much and and that might be part of of the issue.
2: absolutely. We're in the fall, we always do a major fundraising drive, and two of our board members uh, who are female allies in the chorus, uh, came up with a letter to send out this year for the fund drive fund drive. And in it, they mention things like, Uh, The fact that the L.A. Men's Chorus has canceled a European tour, which I'm sure would have been incredibly fun for them to do. um, And instead, after November 8th, decided to stay right here in the States, uh, decided that we just really still have a lot of work to do. And our chorus, um, like I said earlier, I was just really devastated. I, I really just disappeared from everything I was involved in for a couple of weeks and came back and and talked to our board, talked to our members and said, you know, you need to help me and then we needed to decide how to move forward because I, I just personally was really devastated by what happened and really worried about um, the future. There was a lot of things that were happening around campus, a lot of things that were happening to personal friends of mine, um, and it really was a step backward that I didn't think we would, that we would ever see that again. It was very unfortunate. So um, part of our fundraising drive this year for Coryland Men's Chorus is also talking about getting more out into the rural areas of South Central Indiana. Um, we perform a lot in Bloomington. We perform in Spencer, uh, but we need to get out into some other areas and lovingly change some minds so that we have more support uh, when the next election cycle comes up.
1: Robert, the um, the areas you're you you're talking about, like you, you had mentioned uh, Columbus, where you had the opportunity to perform in. Um, <laughs> Funny, uh, I don't have the name of the church. We always call it the oil can church, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right,
2: based on the architecture of the church, yeah. Um, So we did perform there, and it was many congregations there, many organizations who reached out to Quarryland, actually, and said, hey, we feel like we need this in Columbus. Would you come over and do a concert? Um, We did. We traveled to Columbus. There were about 100 members in the audience. And shortly after that, we don't know if we had anything to do with it. We like to think that we did. Uh, Columbus passed uh, the fact that there would be equal equality um, for LGBTQ persons in the city of Columbus uh, as far as, I believe, hiring rights. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's really amazing. I'm
0: sure you did. I'm I sure hope, you made it. I a really difference hope we did. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh,
0: getting, getting down into the nitty gritty here, uh, what goes in, um, w- well, let's start with how is the chorus organized? Sure. So the chorus uh, was
2: originally organized. There were only five or six members. So Jim Johnson, who is the uh, partner, spouse, husband of our artistic director, Barry McGee, uh, was the first president. And uh, he was the one who really did a lot of the paperwork. He with a, f- a few other members. And they created this corporation. And so now we're run by a uh, 10-member board. Uh, we have, we'll have anywhere between 30 and 60 members uh, each year and it's really made up of not only performing members, but also offstage members, and they play a really important role in our chorus as we've grown so much Uh, over the years. You know, we need things like marketing and publicity and fundraising and finance and and ushering and just anything you can imagine that goes into making an arts organization successful. Uh, Social committee, you, you name it, we have a committee for everything. And we're really learning a lot. We're learning a lot from people Um, Like Al Lyons, who's in the um, School of Public and Environmental Affairs, uh, who has been working with our chorus. We go to every possible training we can around Bloomington to learn more about how to make our organization better. And the interesting part is that except for very small stipends that go to our director and our assistant director and our pianist, uh, everybody is volunteer. And I have to say those three people are volunteer, too, because they put in... If you calculate it, they're probably getting paid about $0.25 an hour um, with all of the hours that they put in. And so that's something we're really working on as an organization is to grow our budget so that we can reach out more into rural areas, so that we can make sure that if any of our staff leaves, um, that we have the clout to be able to hire new staff so that we don't fall apart as an organization. Uh, Those are very important positions. And um, we've also started investing around town in a lot more publicity, uh, making sure that people just know who we are and know about our concerts and know about our major fundraiser, which is coming up in March, and know about our next concert, which is coming up in the spring.
1: And the um, members, Robert, are, just, are, are not only local, just the, the immediate Bloomington area, um, right? there are people that come down from Indy,
2: Um, yeah, we have members, almost a third of our performers, uh, come from the Indianapolis area. So we're talking Brownsburg Carmel. Uh, that's a pretty far drive when you're talking about driving an hour and a half for rehearsal, once a week, uh, one way, uh, we have people who live in the broad ripple area, uh, the fishers area, um, just really all over Indianapolis and we've had members from Spencer and Bedford. Um, we're looking to reach out into those communities again. We have a new member this year who's from Martinsville, which is really exciting. Um, so really, we are it's wonderful that our founding members included South Central Indiana as part of our mission because we have finally sort of reached that pinnacle of not just being in the Bloomington area. Sure. Well, um,
1: we asked Robert to, uh, to pick out um, some selections uh, from Cory Land uh, to play on the air this evening so can you tell our listeners a little bit about this first selection that they're going to hear tonight make them hear you
2: make them hear you so the songs that we that artistic director barry mcgee selects are really true to our mission um they are either composed by glbtq plus individuals or they're singing about something involved with our mission whether it's social rights or equality or anything like that And Make Them Hear You is a a really touching song um, that came about, uh, well, I I think you just need to hear it. Um, it, It's amazing how much it can reach out and touch heartstrings and make make people realize that all of our voices need to be heard. And that is indeed. Uh, one of the taglines of our chorus is our voices matter and we turn that around a lot and say your voices matter too to our audience members to everybody in our chorus to the people who we um, encounter at festivals when we're tabling at festivals and everything so um, just the impact of making your voice heard and really that's what we need to do um, and that's what we need to continue doing
1: all right Coryland men's course make them hear you
3: Tell our story, that it echo far and wide Make them hear you, make them hear you
0: A great song, and it's one of my favorites uh, that I've ever sung with Land. It's such a powerful, moving song. But this next one was played at the Bloomington Remembrance of the Play Nightclub Massacre in Orlando. Can you speak a little about uh, why this next song, why we sing, is so important not only to the chorus but maybe even to the community as well? Right,
2: and you know the message is is very similar to you know reach you know reach out reaching out and telling our story. Um, make people hear us. Uh, so that's fine to reach out and tell your story, but you know, why is it that there's a story to tell? And I think that the, the massacre at the Pulse nightclub um, is a perfect example of why we need to keep coming together as a community. Um, I wanted to mention that there are just so many organizations in Bloomington, not only arts organizations, but other organizations like Bloomington United that Justin Ford is leading, like Bloomington Pride, that has its own board, is a nonprofit. It puts on things like Summerfest and the Bloomington Pride Film Festival. Um, groups like the Aging and Caring Network, Prism Youth Community, uh, the GLBT Student Support Services, GLBTQA, whatever, well, however many letters you want to throw in there, they are very supportive of, of everyone in our community. Uh, the Rainbow Coalition, I could go on and on. The, uh, the Peace Choir, there are so many organizations in Bloomington um, that, you know, reach out and are touching people in different ways. And, and this is why we sing, we sing to bring these organizations together. We bring the community together, uh, because it's important because we, you know, we don't have equal rights yet and, uh, we need to keep fighting for that and make it happen Absolutely. sooner
0: rather than later. Absolutely. And with that, here is why we sing by the Coryland Men's chorus. just listened to two great pieces sung by the Corey Men's chorus here on Blooming Out on WFHB. Robert P. Slater, the president of QMC, is joining us here in the studio, and we've been discussing all the great things the chorus has been doing, not only here, but in other places throughout the state as well. Correct, Rob?
2: That's absolutely correct.
0: Uh, do you have any plans to go outside of Spencer Columbus? You've been to Spencer Columbus, uh, Bloomington, and Indy thus far. Where else are we? Where else should C- we see? Corey Cincinnati. Land?
2: Yeah, Cincinnati. We um, we've done uh, we've swapped concerts with the Cincinnati Men's Chorus, which was really exciting. And at this point, we don't have anything that I can think of uh, in particular scheduled. So, anybody from our listening area, visit Quarryland.org. Uh, visit the contact us page and let us know what's going on in your community. We would love to get out, do some more outreach to some of the smaller towns and cities nearby. Uh, It doesn't even have to be that nearby. We have such a contingency of performers coming out of Indianapolis now that we can easily, uh, we took 10 performers to the world AIDS day event in Indianapolis. And it was almost a completely different set of 12 performers who performed here uh at fountain square mall for the for the world aids day celebration here so we really are diversifying and we're spreading out and i think that's great
0: rob how many chorus members do, does corey Lane currently have
2: Oh, that's a really good question, Ryan. So we fluctuate a lot. I have to say because people's schedules change. Uh, we have a lot of people who are affiliated with the university. So if they're taking courses where their coursework falls on Monday nights, or they're teaching something that falls on Monday nights during rehearsal, then they sort of have to drop out for a while. And, uh, so right now, uh, I believe that we have 35 members in the chorus itself. Um, And hmm, that can't possibly be right. We have more than that. Uh, We have 27 performers who will be on stage for our upcoming concert. I know that for a fact. Uh, And then also our assistant director, Mitch Surslove, our director, Barry McGee, and our wonderful pianist, uh, Wendy Elliott, will also be there, of course. And we're really looking forward to this concert. So neither of the two songs that you heard on the show tonight will be on the upcoming concert. Uh, But we do have a whole slew of really fun stuff, as well as an eclectic mix, which is really what Quarryland is known for. You could always use more uh, uh,
0: singers and and volunteers in general, right, Rob?
2: We absolutely could. And the next opportunity for performers to join uh, is the second second Monday in January, the second January and Monday. Now, the second uh, Monday in January, which I believe is January 9th. And we have auditions before and after our regularly scheduled rehearsal. And it's just another opportunity for people to join the chorus. And of course, offstage members can join at any time. And we are also always looking for folks who would like to help uh, become board members and becoming a board member is a three-year commitment. And it's a lot of fun. We get together once a month, uh, committees meet, and we all come together to
0: help with concerts and all the outreach that we do in the community. Talk a little bit, um, we're gonna transition here a little bit. Uh, What is this year's concert theme?
2: So with it being our 15th season, our Ruby anniversary, which is very exciting, uh, Barry McGee has chosen some old favorites that we performed before, like uh, Shore on the Shining Night is a really beautiful piece uh, that will bring tears to our audience members' eyes. Uh, We're also performing some new things. Uh, Another, an old favorite, uh, if you remember How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, someone makes a very special appearance. If you've been at our concerts before, you might. Recognize him. If you have not, I'm going to leave that out there for our listeners to get them to come and figure out who that might be. Uh, some new things that are coming up. Uh, I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus, but with a twist. You might be mm. able to figure out what that twist Mommy. might be. I wonder. Yeah. And uh, I another Eddie yeah. kissing uh, Shrine. Don't give it all it away. Your problems. listeners have to come to find out. <laughs> uh, it's going to be really fun. And then we also have uh, Hanukkah and Santa Monica. Uh, complete with some wonderful choreography uh, that was put together by Matt Purcell. So it's going to be a really fun concert. There's a good mix of of holiday, some traditional music, some eclectic things. Uh, we're also doing a very serious piece, uh, the Gloria Festival. Festival Gloria. I'm dyslexic today. Festival Gloria uh, by Randall Thompson. And it is just a gorgeous piece of music that will really knock everyone's socks off. And there's Quite a few other pieces. Our, our, we have a quartet that will be performing. Um, we're just really looking forward to this concert. We're in the home stretch. We just had a, a week long retreat where all the performers came together to learn the choreography, uh, to fine tune some notes, to spend some good community time together, um, and we have really one or two more rehearsals, and we'll be we'll be on stage ready to perform.
1: So, Rob, what's the um, th- what is the the time and the and the dates and everything?
2: Sure. So you can always go to our website, quarryland.org. You can also go to the Buskirk Chumley Theater website to find out uh, how to purchase our tickets. You just go there and search for Quarryland. But the concert itself is Saturday, December 17th at 7.30 p.m. And then we reprise it on Sunday, December 18th at 3 p.m. And per usual, one of our season sponsors, Blue Boy Chocolate Cafe and Cakery, will be providing the reception afterwards. Uh, Something that we're going to add to this concert is that we'll be providing some beverages and also some treats during intermission by Board & Blade Catering, another one of our season sponsors. And that will be just a reception for our donors. So if you'd like to come and enjoy a glass of wine, uh, perhaps some sparkling cider, some really good food from Board & Blade Catering, Uh, hurry up and donate to the chorus if you haven't already done so. You can do that online uh, or you can respond to the email we just sent out recently. Um, So it's a lot of new things happening. Uh, The concert is at First United Church, our our rehearsal home, which is at 2420 East 3rd Street. And tickets are really reasonably priced. If you have children that want to come, this is really a great concert for children. Uh, 12 and under can come for free. Uh, Any child with a student ID or college student, uh, it's only $12, and general admission is $15. And we were
1: talking about the uh, beautiful church that you performed in in Columbus, but the church that you guys rehearse and perform in 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 Bloomington here is is just a beautiful um, architectural um, structure.
2: It is, and it's a beautiful community too. They they became an open and affirming church. And when they did, they reached out to the Coryland Men's Chorus. We were rehearsing at the Universalist Unitarian Church, which is another wonderful community here in town. And they said, Hey, we have a, a music room with a piano that, you know, with, with chairs that are built for musicians and we have stands and we have all these things, um, that we didn't really have at UU. And so we moved over to First United and we love both of these communities so much. And the First United, um, is part of the the Interfaith winter shelter, uh, they have so many programs that are really just outstanding for the Bloomington community.
0: Rob let's talk about attendance uh, at at your shows. Uh, obviously, there's always room for growth, um, but how many how many people typically come to a show of Quarryland? Sure, so we would we are can accommodate
2: up to four hundred people at the church per performance. I would say that the most we've ever had in attendance uh, for the two concerts is pushing between 450 and 500, so we basically split the audience. Um, And it would be wonderful to max out the church. Uh, One thing that I want to throw out there is that we have our first cash season sponsor, Honor Realty out of Indianapolis uh, really has faith in the chorus and so made a donation to help us continue. And we've used that donation to reach out to the community, uh, to do some radio spots, to do some publishing, uh, things that we're not able to do in the past. And I really hope that that, that it reminds people uh, that we are in Bloomington. We have these wonderful yard signs um, that we purchased a couple years ago. And if you're familiar with Bloomington, you know that there were way too many yard signs all over Bloomington. (laughs) And so they added some policies saying we can't put those out, but we can put them in our performers yards. So look for that. That'll be another reminder. I'm going to ask some of our chorus members to actually put them in the back windows of their cars. I mean, anything we can do to remind listeners about when our concert is. And we pushed it later in the year this year, specifically Um, knowing that there are just a lot of really wonderful arts organizations in Bloomington doing things in December. So you have the Bloomington Chamber Singers, you have Um, the Nutcracker, you have the Chimes of Christmas, you have Cardinal Stage, you have all of these wonderful organizations who are doing things. And so what we did was try to push it a little later so that people don't have to choose. They can, or maybe they have more choices because we're on a weekend when there isn't nearly as much going on. So December 17th and 18th, probably one of our latest winter concerts ever.
0: And we hope that we fill those church pews with 400 people per night. I was going to say it is a little late this year, but at the same time, it's like uh, it it might be just the perfect time to get into the Christmas spirit and and, uh, enjoy the holidays for sure. Sounds to me like it will be.
2: Absolutely, and especially with us having so many uh, particular pieces that were chosen that have a Christmas theme this year. Um, We always do holiday music in general, um, but there are two or three pieces that have a Christmas theme, so pushing it a little closer to
0: Christmas made sense as well. Robert, thank you uh, for joining us this evening. That is all the time we have uh, for tonight's discussion. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and we hope our listeners can make it out to um, next weekend's concert. It is now time for our next music break of the evening, and the intro comes from Out.com. Ruby Rose makes her directorial debut in the premiere of the new Veronica's music video for On Your Side, which she also stars in rose and jessica jessica or that one is a tough one and if you want to try to say it for me and correctly say it for me go right ahead uh one of the seniors of the veronicas are currently dating in real life and bring that sizzling chemistry to the screen when i first heard the song i was drawn to the lyrics says rose some songs tell the first chapter of the story others only tell the last But here I was listening to a full narrative of someone's sincere experience with love. In addition to directing and acting, the couple, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, directing and acting, Rose also wrote the script, which follows the couple as they meet, fall in love, make out a lot, get in a bar fight, and struggle with a pill addiction. The whole thing is a classic tale of bad girl meets slightly less bad girl. Working with Ruby, someone who naturally aligns with and embraces powerful and impassioned narrative, was an organic step forward for the Veronicas and an inspiring and rewarding experience for everyone involved, says Orgliasso. The video shares a story between Ruby's character and mine. It's a true-to-life look at the passion and protection of two people falling in love and ultimately a love that cannot be broken. This is the second single off of the Veronica's new album here is on your side. Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from The Back Door, downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The Back Door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. And more information can be found on their Facebook page or online at bckdoor.com. It's now time for our LGBTQ Plus News Roundup. The Associated Press reported yesterday that a federal court has ruled that students have the right to form a gay-straight alliance club. The decision on Tuesday by the Atlanta-based 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals came after the American Civil Liberties Union of Florida appealed a previous judge's decision that school officials could deny the club recognition. The court's reversal opinion found the club should have equal access to use school facilities as other extracurricular clubs. The case began in 2013 when students at Carver Middle School in Leesburg sued the Lake County School Board. It was the second lawsuit seeking to form the Gay-Straight Alliance Club aimed at providing supportive anti-bullying environment for gay and lesbian students. The ACLU says the ruling strengthens the rights of middle school students, putting them on the same level as high school students.
4: Regina Garcia Cano from the Associated Press released a report that indicates that public schools are actively hostile to LGBT students. Many public schools are still hostile environments for LGBT students, an international human rights organization concluded in a report released Wednesday. The lengthy report from Human Rights Watch was based on interviews primarily with current and former high school students, parents, administrators, and teachers in Alabama, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Texas, and Utah. It documented several challenges LGBT students face, including in-person and online bullying, limits on LGBT student groups, exclusion of some topics from curricula, and discrimination by classmates and school personnel. In every state we visited, we heard stories of students who were insulted, cyberbullied or attacked and teachers who allowed discrimination and harassment because they see it as normal behavior, said Ryan Th- Thornton, a fellow in the nonprofit's LGBT rights program. 31 states, including the five in the report, have not enacted laws to specifically protect against bullying on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, according to the report. While some districts and schools in four of those states have worked on comprehensive bullying policies, administrators in South Dakota cannot, cannot because, of the law, because of a state law that prohibits school districts from naming any protected classes of students in such policies. This makes it much more difficult for teachers to know how to intervene when they see that bullying happening, and for students to know that that's off-limits. That's not okay, Thorison said. Only South Dakota and Missouri have laws that prohibit school districts from putting their own protections. The report includes policy recommendations at the state level to make schools more inclusive, but the proposals will almost certainly face resistance from Republican-controlled legislatures in states like Texas and South Dakota, which have approved measures that allow discrimination against transgender students. I do not accept the bifurcation of gender and sex, said Jim Bolin, a Republican state representative in South Dakota who worked as a teacher for 32 years and voted in favor of a failed bill to require transgender students to use bathrooms corresponding to their sex at birth. The notion that gender is different than sex, I believe that's a false belief. Human Rights Watch interviewed almost 360 current and former students from rural and urban districts, as well as more than 140 parents, teachers, and administrators. The students, whose names were changed for their protection, offered stories of physical violence, verbal harassment, cyberbullying, and exclusion from events, classes, and extracurricular activities. In many cases, they said, teachers did not intervene and sometimes participated in in the harassment. My biology teacher my freshman year would bring in kids who were wearing short shorts or weird sweaters and say, you'd better take that off, you're going to look gay, a 16-year-old bisexual girl in Alabama said, according to the report. But she'd say it in front of the whole class. The organization also found school policies and practices have made teachers fearful of negative consequences for identifying themselves as LGBT or for supporting those students. There are certain conservative leaders who have stood up for LGBT students, and our hope is that as, that as we look at this from a purely pragmatic point of view, keeping LGBT kids safe and keeping all students safe shouldn't be a partisan issue, Thorison said. South Dakota Governor Dennis Daugard vetoed the bill supported by Bolin earlier this year, but supporters of the measure are hoping to get it before voters in 2018. It's likely to be reintroduced during the 2017 session. Some Republican lawmakers in Texas, a state that's already led a lawsuit resulting in the temporarily bro- blocking President Obama's directive allowing transgender students to use the public school bathrooms of their choice, are backing proposals banning transgender people from doing the same in all Texas bathrooms.
0: Incoming North Carolina governor says repealing anti-LGBT law is a priority, says Gary Robertson from the Associated Press. North Carolina's incoming Democratic governor said Wednesday he's optimistic he'll be able to repeal the law, limiting state and local LGBT protections, vowing to pull back the conservative agenda of a Republican-dominated legislator. Roy Cooper told the Associated Press in an interview two days after Republican Governor Pat McCrory conceded that he wants to assemble issue-specific bipartisan coalitions on such matters as education, renewable energy, criminal justice reform, and ending House Bill 2. That law, known as House Bill 2, signed by McRory, also directs transgender people to use restrooms in schools and government buildings corresponding to the sex on their birth certificate. Republicans still will command veto-proof majorities in the House and Senate in 2017, so Cooper will be hard-pressed to block Republican legislation. Just a few GOP lawmakers now say they want the bill repealed, but Cooper believes more will be willing as the fallout of a national outcry continues to impact the state. Opposition from major business CEOs, entertainers, and sports organizations has dealt a blow to North Carolina's business-friendly image, leading companies to pull back on expanding in the state. Citing the law, the NBA moved its All-Star Game, and the NCAA and Atlantic Coast Conference sent championship events out of North Carolina. I believe that most, of, most or all of legislators understand the severe economic impact of House Bill 2 that it's having on us, and it's something that needs to be done, Cooper said in a phone interview. GOP legislative leaders continue to defend the law, saying it provides privacy and protection for children using restrooms and locker rooms. Noting an argument raised by some, the U.S. Justice Department and others contend the threat of sexual predators posing as transgender persons to enter a bathroom is practically non-existent. Meanwhile, backers of the law say the economic impact has been negligible compared to the state's entire economy, which is benefiting from the recovery. The law was passed in response to a Charlotte City Council ordinance approved last February that expanded non-discrimination rules for LGBT people in the use of public accommodations. The ordinance would have allowed people to use restrooms aligned with their gender identity. State Senate Leader Phil Berger, House Speaker Tim Moore, and McRory floated possible deals earlier this year, which the legislature would agree to repeal much of House Bill 2 if Charlotte repealed its ordinance. Charlotte leaders rejected the deals, and litigation continues challenging and defending the law. Berger said Wednesday he didn't know whether changes to the the law now would be made. That is going to be a very difficult thing to deal with. I think it is something that there needs to be conversations about, Berger said in an interview. As to how we deal with it, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. McRory conceded nearly a month after election night totals had Cooper leading by some 5,000 votes from 4.7 million cast. That margin doubled as counties counted provisional ballots, and a partial recount saw no tabulation mistakes. In a belated victory rally Tuesday night, Cooper reaffirmed his commitment to doing away with the law, which he hammered McRory on repeatedly during their campaign. With this election, North Carolina is on its way to repairing its reputation, Cooper said to Cheers, with many supporters holding small flags with a symbol for gay rights. Let's finish the job and repeal House Bill 2. Leaders of the Human Rights Campaign and Equality in North Carolina, who met with McCrory inside the, Capitol, the old Capitol a week after he signed House Bill 2 to express their opposition, held a news conference on Wednesday outside the same building to celebrate Cooper's victory. Their groups endorsed Cooper, and targeted McRory for defeat with a massive get-out-the-vote effort focused on the estimated 255,000 gays, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people in the state who are voters. It is crystal clear that the people of North Carolina want this legislation gone, Equality North Carolina Executive Director Chris Scrow said, and I believe that leadership needs to work with Roy Cooper to let the full repeal come up for a vote as soon as possible. On other issues, GOP lawmakers would still have the power of legislation and appropriating funds. Cooper told the AP he would also promote his policy agenda through executive orders and department rulemaking.
4: And finally, this evening, some good news out of Kansas. The AP reported yesterday that a transgender student was named King of Kansas School Dance. A 17-year-old transgender student who ad- advocated for LGBT rights at a suburban Wichita Wichita's high school was named king of a winter ball after receiving the most votes from his fellow students. Derby High School Tyler Crayer said he at first thought it was a joke when he found out that he was nominated for the holly ball king, the Wichita Eagle reported. I wasn't expecting to win because there were so many, like, athletic candidates, he said Tuesday. Crayer, who came out as transgender when he was 15, said he was harassed and bullied at previous schools before moving to Derby about a year and a half ago. He was one of several students who testified before the Derby School Board in July in support of a policy allowing students to use bathrooms matching their gender identity. After hearing from supporters and opponents, board members decided to follow a federal directive on transgender access while a community task force explores the issue. The Holly Ball is one of three annual dances at Derby High where student royalty is crowned. Members of the K Club, which sponsors Holly Ball, nominated students. Principal Tim Hamblin said the nominated students must meet academic attendance and behavior standards and be involved in at least one school activity. He said Crayer met all the requirements and was elected by students f- uh, filing electronic votes. Crayer said he was humbled by the honor. He's keeping his Hollyball crown, a gold sparkly top hat with white fur trim on a trophy case in his bedroom. I think the school has come a long way, not just this whole thing, but the bathroom policy and stuff like that. He said, I feel good about being here. And that's all the time we have for tonight's news.
0: We have Grace Thumser joining us here in the studio. I didn't properly introduce her before (laughs) uh, we started news. So, Grace, why don't you take us into our final song of the evening?
4: All right. The intro to to our final song this evening comes from wicked.online.com. The UK band The XX's new video celebrates sex and makes us nostalgic for being a carefree teenager. The group wrote a statement about the video. Today we get to share our new video for On Hold with you. The video is directed by the brilliant Alasdair McLellan, whose work we all adore. It was filmed in Marfa, Texas, a very special place to us, where we wrote and recorded some of our new album. We have a lot of love and respect for the people of the USA, having played hundreds of shows across the country over the past years. We hope this video reflects just some of the warmth and acceptance we have encountered there. The video features several teenage relationships, including a couple of same-sex couples. Here is the XX with On Hold. Hello? Hello?
5: I don't blame you We got carried away I can't hold on To an empty space
6: Now you found When you start to orbit, it could be love I think you're too soon to call us old When and where did we go cold? I thought I had you on hold And every time I let you leave I always saw you coming back to me I thought I had you on, oh, I thought I had you on. Saw so you coming back to me. When and where did we go cold? I thought I had you on hold. I thought I had you on hold. I thought I.
4: You just listened to The XX with On Hold here on Blooming Out. Now it's time for our weekly LGBTQ area event calendar. From now until December 16th, drop off a new or gently used toy to the GLBT Student Support Office for the Hudson and Holland Scholars Program and Black Student Association's Diversity Toy Drive.
0: Do you have an LGBTQ plus child, family member, or friend that you love and support? Join the White River Flag and the Unitarian Universalist Rainbow Rights Task Force for their monthly family support meeting on Wednesday, December 14th from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the UU Church in Bloomington.
4: Also on the 14th, join Bloomington Pride at their Dinner and a Movie Night beginning at the Malibu Grill at 7 p.m. Following dinner, the group will head to the Downtown Hyatt at 9 p.m. to enjoy the Academy Award-nominated queer film Carol. All proceeds will go to support PRISM Youth Community and the Bloomington Pride's plans for comprehensive social educational advocacy programming and initiatives. Tickets are available for $75, and the link can be found on Bloomington Pride's Facebook page.
0: Finally, as you heard tonight, the Corey Lynn Men's Chorus Winter Concert will be coming here soon. Join the chorus at this year's concert, titled Traditions, on either Saturday, December 17th, or Sunday, December 18th. In its 15th year, the chorus will be reprising favorites and performing new discoveries. Traditions includes past favorites, such as Silver Bells and You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, along with new selections, such as Festival Gloria by Randall Johnson and a twist on I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Tickets are available online through the Corey Lin Men's Chorus website.
4: That's all the time we have for this evening. We'd like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at Bloomington Out WFHB. visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Ryan Shade. And our theme music is our original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For
0: host Jeff Pulling and Grace Thumser, and our associate producer and board engineer Sarah Hetrick, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Please tune in again next Thursday at 6 p.m. or find us online at bloomingout.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.